like you to turn with me now, please, once again to the portion of Scripture we read. There in Exodus chapter 12. When we have found the place and we have God's word open before us, let us unite again in prayer and pray over the word. The Lord will speak to us from his truth today. O loving and eternal and gracious God, we come now to the preaching of the word and the hearing of that word. We know, Lord, this is the most important part of the service. So, dear Lord, I pray that thou would grant to me the help, the power of the Holy Spirit of God to preach the word. And, Lord, in preaching the word, we will always preach Christ. And we'll always speak well of him and his finished work and make much of his blood we do ask all these things in the Saviour's name and for his honour and glory alone Amen Exodus chapter 12 and our text for this morning is the verse 3 Exodus 12, verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. It was to be Indeed, a dreadful night in the land of Egypt. A night in which the angel of death would visit Egypt and claim the lives of all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. It would be a night of great weeping and wailing. A night of great woe as every man's firstborn would be taken from them. For the destroyer would visit in judgment in Egypt at the command of the Lord Jehovah. And there that night the firstborn would be slain. But we might ask, Was there no way of escape? Was there no way of escaping this terrible judgment of God? Must every family in Egypt lose their firstborn, both Egyptian and Israelite? Was there no way that the destroying angel could be prevented from entering into anyone's home and seizing the firstborn? Well, when we look at this portion of Scripture, we can see that indeed God, in wrath, remembered mercy. And he did provide a way of escape. 
We have read there in our text in verse 3 that every family was to take a lamb. And then you go down to verse 7 and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And then verse 13 and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So the lamb and the shed blood provided that way of escape from the judgment of a holy God. The whole value of the blood of the Paschal Lamb that we read about here lies in it being a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Paul states in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. That's what we want to look at this morning. Christ, our Passover. He's the Passover Lamb. And here is divine authority for our regarding the contents of Exodus 12 as, a typic, as typical of the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we study these verses, may the Lord indeed help us to see Christ, our Passover Lamb. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. As we look at this lamb this morning, one is first of all to notice that it was a special lamb. What was about to take place in Egypt, namely the night of the Passover, was never to be forgotten in all the history of Israel. Never. We read in verse 14, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. So here was an event that would take place in Egypt that night at midnight that was never to be forgotten. And before the Lord gave Moses and Aaron details about the lamb, the Lord first of all spoke about a period and the lamb. The period that he spoke about is mentioned there in verse 2. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. There's the period of time mentioned in verse 2 and it's related to the Lamb. 
Israel's deliverance that night by the blood of the Lamb would mark a change in Israel's calendar. From now on, Israel was to start their new year from the time of their deliverance. From the time the blood of the Lamb was shed and Israel was able, through the blood and the sacrificial Lamb, they were able to leave Egypt and make their way eventually to the land of promise. Their calendar was to begin that night. That was the beginning of months for the children of Israel. That was the beginning of their history. We, of course, number our days and years from the day we're born. You're Acts number of years old. Goes back to the day we were born. And then, of course, when we're born again, when we experience the new birth, what is that to us? Spiritually speaking, it's our beginning of months. We can look back to a time and a place, a day, when we were born again. For me, it was the 5th of May, 1969, in Tandragi Free Presbyterian Church, about 9.31 Monday evening. I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. And spiritually speaking, for me and for you, whenever your date of birth spiritual birth was that was the beginning of months many ways that's when we really began to live we lived our new life in Christ Jesus now those words in verse 2 the beginning of months was not only first in order but highest in estimation in other words the chief and most excellent month of the year. That's why in the verse 14, the Lord said he didn't want his people to ever to forget that day or that night. That date was the most excellent month of the year as far as Israel was concerned. And we can apply that to our own hearts and we can look back to the day we were born again and say that's the most excellent month for us. That's the best day, hour of our lives. We're born again. And set on that road that leads to heaven, home and glory. Praise the Lord. But then we notice also, not only the period and the lamb. But we notice it was to be a personal lamb. The first direct reference to a lamb in scripture is found in Genesis 22 and verse 8. Genesis 22, you're familiar with the portion. The Lord spoke unto Abraham and told him, I want you to take now your son, thine only son, the son whom thou lovest. And I want you to offer him as a sacrifice unto me. And we know how willing Abraham was to obey God because we read 
that Abraham rose up early in the morning. There was no reluctance on the part of Abraham. Even though Abraham had waited 25 years from the day God has promised that he would be blessed with a son, he waited 25 years and Isaac arrived and now he's been asked to offer up Isaac. Well, they rose up early in the morning and Abraham brought Isaac and two servants with him. And they made their way to the place that the Lord would then reveal to Abraham that's where he wanted him to offer up Isaac. And they came to that place and Abraham told the servants to stay where they were. They were not to witness the sacrifice. And he took Isaac and they made their way up the hill. When they got to the place, Isaac said to his father, we have the wood. We have the fire. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said to Isaac, the Lord shall provide for himself what a lamb. The Lord will provide a lamb. And we know what happened. When Abraham put Isaac upon the altar and he raised his knife to slay his son, God cried out, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham turned and looked and he saw a ram caught in the thicket. It was caught by its horns. No doubt it has been pointed out before that it was caught by its horns so it would leave no mark upon the animal. It wasn't, it wasn't caught by its skin or caught by its leg, but by its horns. And Abraham went and took that ram and slew the ram instead of Isaac. You imagine what it was like for Isaac. There Isaac had already been on the altar to be slain by his own father. And then the ram was seen. And Abraham took the ram and the ram was put on the altar instead of Isaac. Can you imagine what it was like for Isaac to look upon that ram or that lamb and look upon it and say that ram took my place. That ram died for me personally. That made it very personal for Isaac. And here in Exodus 12 we're told they shall take to every man a lamb. That makes it personal. That makes it very personal. For if the lamb was to die, the lamb would die instead of the Israelite. And we look to the cross today, and we look upon the lamb, and we look at that lamb, and we say, that lamb died for me. That's my lamb. That makes it personal, doesn't it? 
Yes, he died for all of his elect, but he died for me personally. That's my lamb. Christ is my lamb. But notice how the lamb is referred to in these verses. Look at verse 3. And speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Mark the words. A lamb. They shall take every man a lamb. Now look at verse 4. And if the household be too little for the lamb, now it's the definite article. It's not just a lamb anymore, it's the lamb. Now go down to verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish a meal of the first year. And so from being a lamb to the lamb, now it's your lamb. It's not the way it was with us. Yes, before salvation, before we were born again, we heard about a lamb. That's what Christ was to us. He was nothing more than a lamb. But then when, by God's grace, we experienced the new birth, then he became the lamb. And now he's our lamb. He's your lamb. He's not a lamb anymore. He's your lamb. That makes it personal. John, the Baptist, of course, said, Behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world and since he has taken away our sin he's become our lamb he's your lamb that's very personal he's my lamb because he died for me we have the period in the lamb we have the personal lamb we have also a particular lamb. The Lord said that the lamb was to be a male of the first year. Those words are interesting. The lamb shall be a male of the first year. Those words mean a son of a year. If you have a Bible margin, you look at those words, you'll see that's how it's rendered in the, in the margin. A son. Isn't that interesting? That I hear away back in Genesis, or in Exodus 12, we have the lamb referred to as a son. A son of a year. 
And here is one of, to me, one of the wonders of Holy Scripture. As we look at the events of the Passover night, what do we see? We see a lamb and we see a son. Christ is the son who's the lamb. Christ is the Son of God. And these words point to Christ the Son, the Son of God. For he who is the Lamb of God is also the Son of God. And you go back again to John chapter 1, when John's words, Behold the Lamb of God. John went on to say, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So there John gives Christ the two times. The Lamb of God. And he says this is the Son of God. And wasn't it his Son that the Father gave as our Passover Lamb to be the one who was delivered for us? The one who delivered us from the judgment of God to come. The Lamb that night in Egypt delivered Israel from the judgment of God. And Christ has delivered us from the judgment of God. Because the judgment of God was upon the whole of Egypt. Including Egyptian and Israelite. Had the blood not been applied, had the Lamb not been slain, the Israelite would have died as well, the firstborn would have died there as well. It's the blood that saved Israel from God's judgment. The blood of Christ that saved us from God's judgment. 1 John 4 verse 10 Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation our sins. Only he could appease the wrath of God. So with the period and the lamb, we have the personal lamb, we have a particular lamb, and then you have the people and the lamb. Notice carefully the wording of verse 4. And if, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. According to the number of the souls. According to the number of the souls. So what do we have now? We find here, according to the words of verse 4, the lamb was to be taken, the lamb was to be slain, and the lamb's blood was to be shed for a certain number of souls. We know that the blood wasn't shed for everybody in Egypt. The lamb was taken and the blood was shed for a certain number of souls. We're told that according to the number of the souls. And here we are, here we are reminded 
of for whom Christ died. Who did he die for? Who did he shed his blood for? We cannot say that Christ the Lamb died for the sins of the whole world. Can't say that. Why? Well, that would mean the whole world would be saved. The Lord shed his blood for certain people. We read in Ephesians 1 verse 4, those who were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And what a marvel of grace that is. You think of that. Let that sink into our, to our minds today. Chosen. God chose us in his son before the foundation of the whole world. God knew us then. Before the hills and order stood, our earth received her crown. We were chosen in Christ. Before God put all the stars in their places and named every one of them, God had already chosen us. Isn't that a marvel? And on the judgment day, when the righteous judge shall divide that vast assembly, and all the redeemed shall be on his right hand side, the sheep, and the unconverted, those who died in their sins, will be on his left hand side, calls them the goats. So there stands the great divide. And the righteous judge shall turn to those on his right, the sheep, and say, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom, listen, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25 verse 34 So the kingdom was prepared from the foundation of the world for a certain people those whom God had chosen before the foundation of the world. You remember when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph And the angel came to Joseph and said, She, that is Mary, shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, Saviour. For he shall save. Who? Who did the angel say? He shall save his people from their sins. His people. He came into the world to save his people from their sins. He came to die on the cross and shed his blood for his people. No, he didn't die for the whole world. He didn't shed his blood for the whole world. Over in Christ's high priestly prayer, 
recorded in John 17. We read there about who Christ prayed for and prays for still. In John 17, we read there in the verse 8, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou did send me. In verse 9, I pray for them. Talking about his disciples. I pray for them. Listen. I pray not for the world. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. You go on down to verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone. That is, I don't only pray for the disciples, those whom thou hast given to me. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So you get the picture. Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. A heaven prepared for us before the foundation of the world. And Christ prayed, didn't pray for the world, he prayed for those who would believe. You think of it. Long before we knew him. Before we were even born, Christ was praying for us. He knew all about us. He was praying for us, even then. He not only prayed for the disciples alone, but he prayed for all them that would believe on their word. That's us. And Christ came into the world to save his people from their sins. That ought to make us thank the Lord more and more and more every day. Out of the teeming millions of Adam's fallen race, that every one deserved the lowest hell. We deserved hell. Every one of us. Yet God chose us. Before he did anything else, you could say. He chose us. Elected us. To be his own. And then he sent his son to die for us. According to the number of the souls, every man according to the eating shall make your count for the Lamb. So it was a special Lamb. That then takes us to a spotless Lamb. The Lord emphasized to the servants that the Lamb was to be without blemish. Your lamb shall be without blemish. 
A male of the first year ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Now this was something that was very, very important. It had to be a lamb without blemish. To turn please to Malachi. Malachi chapter 8. And here the Lord lays down the law with regard to sacrifices and offerings that would be offered to him. And we read in Malachi 1 and verse 8. And if ye offer the blind, that is a blind animal, for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto your governor. Would you offer such an animal to your governor? Would you go into your flock and choose out a lamb that's, or a, a, a sheep that's ready to die and offer that to your governor? The Lord, of course, was saying, no, you wouldn't think of doing that. And yet you've offered it to me. Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. Go down to verse 14. But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a king, for I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Why would you offer to me something that's corrupt? Why would you offer to me an animal, an animal that's blind, or an animal that's lame, or an animal that's sick, or an animal that's died? You wouldn't offer it to your governor. And so we see the importance the Lord here placed upon an animal being spotless. Had to be. And so the Lord says this lamb is to be without blemish. And of course this gives us a wonderful, vivid picture of the lamb who died for us. Praise the Lord. You think of it. Even the Lord's enemies. And you might know what it is like in the workplace. I know I worked in an engineering place when I got sealed. That Monday night, well, and then the next morning, the Tuesday, and I went round everybody in the place and told them, I got sealed last night. Well, I knew from that moment on, all eyes would be on me. Oh, this fellow says he's a Christian. Well, we'll see what kind of a Christian he is. And of course they watch you and they listen to everything you say and everything you do. And if they can find a fault, of course they will. They'll soon let you know, oh, you say you're a Christian, but you look what you did and look what you said. 
Well, when it came to the Lord Jesus, Christ's enemies examined him. You know what they found? They found a lamb without blemish. Judas Iscariot. Remember what Judas said? I have betrayed the innocent blood. Matthew 27 verse 4. What did Pilate say? Pilate says, I find no fault in him. John 19 verse 4. Herod. Herod said, I find nothing worthy of death in him. Luke 23 verse 15. Pilate's wife. Pilate's wife came to her husband and said, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things in the dream this day because of him. He's a just man. Husband, don't put your hand upon him. He's a just man. That's Matthew 27, verse 19. The dying thief. The dying thief said to his friend on the other side, This man has done nothing amiss. Nothing amiss. Luke 23, verse 41. The centurion who stood and watched the Saviour as he hung on the tree. What did he say? Certainly this was a righteous man. Luke 23, verse 47. And what was the witness and the testimony of the people who gathered around the cross and watched the Lamb and his blood flow? What did they say? Truly, this was the Son of God. Matthew 27, verse 54. I went through the Gospels to look up all the testimonies of those who would have been regarded as the enemies of Christ and what they said about Christ. I've given you those seven testimonies that I find in the Gospels. Seven. Not interesting. Seven in Bible numbers is the number of perfection. It's the number of completeness. So here we have seven testimonies to the perfect perfect sinlessness of our Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even his enemies couldn't find a fault in him. Because only he who is sinless could possibly die for sinners. As Paul put it, for he has made him 
to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 and again Paul said how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God Hebrews 9 14 remember what Peter said we are redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish glory to God what a saviour we have that he would do all of that for us we press on it was a special lamb a spotless lamb that leads us then to consider it was a slain lamb Specific instructions were given to Moses and Aaron regarding the slaying of the lamb. First of all, days are mentioned here. Look at the days. Look at verse 3. Speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. The tenth day, the lamb was to be taken. Now I look at verse 6. And ye shall keep it up till the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole, assemb whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So there's the days. Four days. From the lamb was chosen to the lamb was slain. This is very significant. Because Christ was called, of course crucified at the Passover. But he entered Jerusalem. Four days before he was crucified. He entered Jerusalem four days before he was slain there on Mount Calvary. Four days he was set apart, as it were. And over those four days, as we've already noted, he was examined. He was cross-examined. They could find no fault in him. But as the sinless, spotless lamb, without a blemish, he was still put to death. Because he had to die for you and me. Aren't we glad we can say, he's my lamb. He died for me. That certainly is very personal. You have the days and then you have the death. The Lord said the congregation of Israel shall kill it on the evening. Verse 6. That's interesting as well. 
the congregation of Israel. So as far as the slaying of the lamb was concerned, the congregation of Israel, they would all have a part in the slaying of the lamb. And what do we read in God's word? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And it was his own who nailed him to the cross. It was his own who cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Indeed, those words are in the form of a chant. And the multitude cried, crucify, 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 crucify. That was his own people. Those whom he had come unto. The whole assembly. But his own received him not. But look again. We are told there in the verse 6 and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it in the evening in the evening again if you have a Bible margin you'll find those words in the evening may be translated between the two evenings. Between the two evenings. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, that means in the afternoon, between the time of the sun beginning to go down. That's called amongst the Jews that's called the first evening when the sun begins to decline and that of the sun setting that's called the second evening now between the two evenings between the first evening the sun beginning to decline and the second evening the sun setting. And we look at those words and we examine the actual time. The actual time, the first evening is 12 noon. The second evening is 3 in the afternoon. That's when the lamb was to be taken and the lamb was to be slain between 12 noon and 3 in the afternoon between the two evenings now you go to Matthew we turn to Matthew chapter 27 and there in Matthew 27 and verse 45 verse 44 
Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Sixth hour, ninth hour. The sixth hour, listen, the sixth hour is 12 noon. The ninth hour is three in the afternoon. And from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The two evenings, first evening's twelve noon. Second evening is three in the afternoon. And my, we go to Matthew and we look at the death of Christ and when did he suffer on the cross? Between twelve noon and three in the afternoon. Between the two evenings. Boy, isn't this a great book. Isn't this a wonderful word? And you know something else? You know how during the Lord's earthly ministry there were those who wanted to take his life. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to put him to death. But what did he say? He said, Mine hour has not yet come. What does that tell us? That tells us that the Lord knew exactly in what hour he would die. Because again in his high priestly prayer the prayer commenced Father the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may glorify thee. He knew right down to the very hour that he would lay down his life for you and me. Mine hour has not yet come and then he said to the Father, Father, the hour has come. Regarding the death of the Lamb, we see the blood. The children of Israel were to take the blood Usually when an animal is killed, anybody is supposed to have done any hunting. They've got to do deer hunting. Do they keep the blood of the animal? Not at all. They'll keep the meat of the animal and they'll maybe take, keep the skin of the animal. They wouldn't dream of keeping the blood. And yet here the Lord told Israel they were to take the blood. They were to keep the blood. And put the blood of the lamb on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses. Verse 7. Notice something else. Where did they put the blood? On the two side posts. And on the lintel above, there was no blood put on the ground. No, sir. The blood was not put on the ground to be trampled on. The blood of Christ is not to be trampled on. 
it is too precious. We're then told the reason for the blood. In the verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the angel of death shall not destroy you. Oh, praise the Lord for the blood. When we come to the table as we did today, when he took the cup, sup saying, This is my blood in the New Testament of the New Covenant, which is shed for you. I shed my blood for you. Paul said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. As well as the blood, there's also the burning. The Lord told Moses that the lamb was to be roast with fire. Look at verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Verse 9. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. You look carefully at those words. And of course the fire will speak to us of the judgment of God. Fire speaks of God's judgment. The fire was to come down and it was to consume the sacrifice. Notice something else. In verse 9, But not, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. In other words, every part of the lamb was to be roast with fire. Head, legs, pertinence. Everything was to be roast with fire. Again, speaking to us of the judgment of God that fell upon Christ. Fire of God's judgment fell on Christ. And listen, every part of him suffered the judgment of God. Every part of him, physically, Emotionally, mentally, spiritually. There was not one part of Christ, if we can use that term, not one part of Christ that did not suffer the judgment of God. Like the lamb. Every part of the lamb was to be roast with fire. And every part of our lamb 
experienced the fire of God's wrath and God's indignation. Speaking to Kathy this morning about a lovely hymn in our hymnal. Written by Anne Ross' cousin, the same woman who wrote Rutherford's hymn, Sounds of Time or Sinking. She must have been a godly woman. I was referring to her hymn. One light, one verse. Jehovah lifted up his rod. O Christ, it fell on thee. Thy wast sore stricken of thy God. There's not one stroke for me. Thy tears, thy blood, beneath it flowed. Thy bruising healeth me. O Christ, what burdens bowed thy head. Christ bore it all. There is so much more I'd like to say here, but we'll leave it there for today. You know, whenever you look at the Lord, and I've said it and I've come to realize it more and more recently, people may say to us, Do you know the Lord? You say, Oh, yeah, I know the Lord. It's good to be able to say that. But I've come to realize, you know, we know very little about the Lord. How deep is our knowledge of Him? You go through the, the Gospels and see how He dealt with people with mercy and grace and tenderness. Makes you realize you know very little about them. And makes us realize also we're very unlike him. But we praise the Lord for the Lamb. He's my Lamb. He's your Lamb. Let's bow our heads in prayer. even with her heads bowed. A good time to thank the Lord afresh for all that he did for us. For suffering the fire of God's holy indignation. And knowing it was all for us. We can say today, thank thee Lord for saving my soul. Thank thee Lord for making me whole. Thank thee Lord for giving to me thy great salvation. So rich and so free. And we'll cherish the old rugged cross. Lord, write the word upon our hearts today. May we meditate upon it. 
and think more and more and more of our blessed Saviour. For all the Lord has done for me, I never will cease to praise him. Be with us, Lord, throughout this Sabbath day. Return us again this evening to worship thee. I may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide and remain with us now until the day breaks and the shadows all flee away and we see the Lamb in all his glory. In his wonderful day we pray. Amen.